for being here, my friend. I'm Vonna Davis, and from my heart, I welcome you to the Midlife Confidence Podcast, the show that will help you skip the midlife crisis and fulfill your midlife quest. I found the key to growing in our middle years lies in managing our own mind. I want to teach you to reimagine your identity and purpose and live a life full of possibility. Join me on a journey to discover your midlife confidence. Welcome, friends. I'm so glad you're here today. Well, I had something else I planned to talk about today, but these first few weeks of 2021 have been so unsettling for me and for many of us that I decided to talk about that instead. And I want all of us to stay mindful and present with all the good things that surround us, even while there is some chaos and uncertainty going on. Of course, we've all been unnerved by the Capitol takeover, and there's the inauguration coming up next week with who knows what's going to happen with that. And on a personal level, both of my parents have been in intensive care with COVID. So with all that stress and sadness, knowing that they're so sick and we can't be with them has been really hard. But I do have some good news. My dad was moved out of the ICU to a regular hospital room yesterday, and they think my mom may also move to regular room today or tomorrow. So I'm so grateful and hopeful to see this progress. It's been hard for sure, and I know so many friends and family members who are also going through that right now. So it's definitely been a chance to practice our emotional skills, right? Well, I know so many people as the year turned over who said, oh, they're so glad 2020 is over and behind us. And I know many people want to leave 2020 behind and move on to normal, better times. But my thought is, what if 2020 was just a wake-up call to get our hearts and our minds in order so we can be ready for what's coming next? What if we look back and think, Oh, 2020, that was the year when everything started to heat up. You know, I think back on when the recession started back in around 2006. We put our house in Reno on the market in 2005, and it had been this big bubble, like houses were selling for so much and going like hotcakes. We knew our house would sell in an instant, and instead, it just languished on the market, and we ended up not moving or putting off our move for a year. That house ended up taking two and a half years to sell from the time we first tried to sell it. And of course, now we can look back at the graphs, right, that show what happened to the housing market after that. But at the time, we couldn't see it. We didn't know where it was headed. And it was confusing. It might be like that now. We might look back at 2020 and go, oh, yeah. We see what started happening back then. And I'm not saying this to raise fears, but so that we can go work on calming it. Fear is really just not knowing that you're going to be okay. But if we're prepared, then we'll know we'll be okay. You know that little phrase, be prepared, not scared. Knowing that you're going to be okay no matter what, you can get through anything. I'm thinking of this year as my year of grace meaning I really am looking to see how God is involved with my life and how he is always offering me everything that I need. And I'm working to be more aware of what that is and to take what he's offering. And I do believe with that that we have no need to be afraid. 
So let's talk about when you're feeling unprepared for all the unknown and unpredictable challenges that might come and how to get to knowing that you're going to be okay. So I have a story to share with you, a true story that happened to my family. It was around 12, 13 years ago. At that time, we moved from Reno to Utah, and that was going home for me. I had grown up in Utah. My husband and I had lived in other places around the West for about 25 years, and then he got a chance to come back to Utah. But in all those years when I had been growing up in Utah, I had never been to any of the good stuff in Southern Utah. I had never been to Zion's National Park or Arches National Park or all those cool things in Moab. And so when we came back, I started visiting those places and just loved the peacefulness and the amazing scenery down there. And I wanted to share it with my family. So we planned a family vacation to Moab and planned all this fun stuff to do. We were renting four-wheelers, we got a condo, we planned some great hikes and set up a rafting trip. So at the time in our family, we had two sons who were teens. So Carver was about 13, 14. Sean was about 17. And then Taryn was in college and Brianne was out of college and newly married. So her husband, Stephen, was coming along too. So we got down there and we were having a good time and it came the day to have our rafting trip. And the trip was planned on the Colorado River, the Westwater Canyon section, for those of you who know that. And our river guides were so excited. They were just over the moon because we had historic high water in the Colorado River that year. There had just been this huge snowfall during the winter and the water was just epically high. And it was deep and it was fast. Some of the rapids would be bigger than normal. And they told us we'd be able to go as far in one day as they usually went in a two-day trip. That's how fast the water was going. So we got there and we did all the raft safety training that they always do. Of course, especially number one, wear your life jacket zipped up and buckled, right? And they told us all the stuff about like, listen to your guides and you might all need to lean to one side and here's what to do in any emergency. And then we got divided up into three different rafts. We were with a couple of other groups. It wasn't just our family. So there was the lead raft with people we didn't know. The second raft had my husband and I and our two teenage sons. And then the third raft had our daughters, Taryn and Brianne, and my son-in-law, Stephen, and then a couple of other people that we didn't know. There were two guides as well in each raft. So we got out there and we just had fun for hours. Like it was really going fast and there was the scenery was so beautiful and the guides were pointing out all this cool stuff to us. Um, it was actually fairly smooth. It was fast, but the ride was pretty smooth until we started to come up to this section of rapids that the guides had told us about. We'd finally get there. And of course, the boys were super excited about this part. Um, the rapids have names like Funnel Falls and Socket to Me and Skull Rapid. And so this was the part that the boys had been waiting for, especially, right? So as we entered the canyon with the rapids coming up, I looked over at Carver and I saw he was wearing his life jacket, but it wasn't zipped up. So I called him out and I said, Carver, zip that life jacket up and get it buckled. 
and 13 year old rolled his eyes and he reluctantly zipped it up. So we started to enter into the canyon with the rapids and it was really fun and I, I loved seeing the boys enjoy it so much. And then we came up to Skull Rapid, the famous Skull Rapid. And all I can say is that one moment we're all in the boat and the next moment my brain took a snapshot of this. It's still in my head. I have a picture of the raft up in the air upside down and all of us flying in the air. And the next thing that I knew, I was underwater trying to make sense of this chaos. And of course, we were going down the river at hyperspeed, right? And I tried to come up out of the water and my head hit something. I realized I was trapped under the upside down raft. And here we were going down the river at breakneck speed, all this turbulence and rocks and rapids. You can only imagine the chaos. But somehow, as I tried to make sense of it all and right myself, I managed to reach behind my head and I felt the edge of the raft and I pulled myself backwards out from under the raft and I came up gasping out of the river and I could hear myself gasping and I also heard some other people. I sensed that some of my family was near, but then they all disappeared and I was trying to make sense of what to do next. We were all being swept down the river in this turbulent chaos and I realized, okay, this is a put your oxygen on first situation. And I remembered the training that the guides had given us. If the raft flips, you need to get back up on the upside down raft. So I could see that the raft was upside down and our guides were already on it. So I swam across the current to get over there. I was so weak and cold and the water was so fast and rough. Thank heavens, one of the guys could reach down and grab me by the shoulder straps on my life jacket and hauled me up onto the upside down raft. And at that point, like my next thing was to look around and try and figure out where my family was. The guides kept hollering at me to help them because now we were on this raft upside down with no oars or any way to guide it. And we had to stay away from the canyon walls or we could get sucked in and flipped over again. So they kept saying, use your feet and kick against the canyon walls. Well, I was pretty busy trying to figure out if my family was okay. I could only see one of my sons out in the water. At the time, I thought it was Sean. Later, it turned out to be Carver. And he was gasping and hollering and shouting and I could also see that he was constantly being pulled back under the water, even with his life jacket on. The water was so rough and powerful that it kept pulling him under, and then he'd pop back up. And of course, we were going down the river so fast. I couldn't see where my husband and other son were. I found out later that they had both decided to swim downstream, catch up with the lead raft, and so they had gotten pulled into that raft. And then the rafts got spread way out, far apart from each other. I couldn't see who was in the front or rear rafts anymore. And Carver was out there in the middle by himself. Like I said, constantly getting pulled under the water. The last raft did finally get close enough to throw a rope out to them, but it turned out the rope was too short. They still couldn't reach him for quite a while. 
So as you can imagine, I was pretty panicked trying to figure out how we could help him and at the same time trying to help the guides and keep this raft from getting sucked under and flipped again. Well, it went on like this for about 10 minutes and then we finally started to get through the rapids into calmer water. And the third raft was able to get close enough, pull Carver in, and then as we got into the slower water, the rafts all came together. The third raft let me on so I could be with Carver. And he was laying in the bottom of this raft, white as a ghost, still spitting up water, shaking, but breathing. (laughs) I was so grateful to see that. Later, Carver told me that being in that water, at some point it got to be like, the way he described it, it was like an old TV when they turned off. He said it was like the black coming in from the sides. And we realized he was pretty close to going unconscious. And we're so grateful that we did finally get him out. Well, at that point, we could pull the rafts out onto the side. We worked together to flip the one raft back over the right way. We all took a deep breath, gathered our wits around us, and said a prayer of thanks that we had all made it safely to shore. We gathered our things together, and then we went on to have a very subdued pizza dinner in Moab together. Thank heavens there were no lasting physical effects from that. Carver recovered pretty quickly, and we actually went on for the next few days to go on and have some fun four-wheeler rides out in the desert in the rain. (laughs) Um, Lots of fun things happened on that trip. But here's the thing. That experience is the only time in my life where I've had recurring nightmares about a real experience for months and months. Like imagining and realizing how close we came to losing Carver, and especially if I had not noticed that his life jacket wasn't zipped up and made him zip it up. I started waking up in a panic, reliving that, and it took a while for that to calm down. Interestingly, or sadly, maybe I should say, neither of our boys even today, will choose to do water sports. Like they don't love to go swimming or go on boats or try water skiing, any of that stuff. Now, ironically, one of my sons did join the Marine Corps and he had to go through all that training where they throw you in a swimming pool with all your gear on. So they can do it, but it kind of ruined their interest and love for the water at that point. Well, so that's a dramatic story, but what is the point, right? So let's tie this into the times that we're in now. And here's a few takeaways from that rafting story. And number one, it's good to be aware that we're in the equivalent of an epic high water year. Things are not normal. Things are higher, faster, and deeper. We're in for an adventure for sure. Like I said earlier, what if 2020 was just a wake-up call to get our heart and our mind in order? We can be prepared for this adventure, and we need to know maybe we'll get flipped in spite of our best efforts, but we can be prepared and know what to do. The second thing is all about training and planning, which those things are just about thinking ahead, right? It makes a difference. I remember when we were getting that raft safety training before we got in the river, my husband, Mike, asked the guides, he said, oh, I've heard that if you get in the water, if you get thrown in the water, you should go down feet first. 
And the guy said, oh no, if you get in the water, you get back on a raft ASAP. Don't be trying to go down this in the water, even with your life jacket on. And then they told us, even if the raft is upside down, go get on the upside down raft. Now, if they hadn't told me that, I would never have done that. It doesn't make sense. Who would get on a raft that has no way to steer it and is just at the mercy of the river? But that stayed with me. And even in the chaos of this rushing water, I remembered it and I knew what to do. And I noticed how fast the guides got on there. I never saw them in the water. Like the first time I saw those guides in the river after we flipped, they were already on the upside down raft. Like they were so well trained. They knew exactly what to do and they reacted in the moment. And they knew that their job was to get back on the raft so that they could help us. They couldn't help us if they stayed in the river. The third thing that I would take away from this is, what does it mean for us now to put on and zip and buckle up those life jackets? You know, when we got thrown in the river, we didn't come out with our sunglasses and hats. I think we even lost sandals. If Carver hadn't zipped up his life jacket, he definitely would have lost it in the river. And I do not think he could have survived that 10-minute ride down the rapids. So we're going to talk about some of those things we can do to zip up our life jackets and know that we're going to be okay. Another thing I got from this experience was I learned to trust and be grateful for our natural survival instinct, our brain's subconscious and automatic ability to do whatever we need to do to survive. God designed us so that our brain has this fight, flight, or freeze response immediately on tap, ready to go to help you. So that's something that we can trust in too. When it comes to being prepared, I love this scripture, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's in 2 Timothy 1.7. So let's talk about power and love and a sound mind. How can that get us out of fear and into feeling safe and ready? I want to talk about a sound mind first. You know, now that we're in midlife, we're the ones that people are going to rely on. We're the parents and grandparents, the managers, the church leaders, the community leaders. We're the people that younger people or people we're in charge of are going to look to to figure out what to do in a crisis situation. If you're looking ahead to this uncertain future and you're thinking, I'm not sure I can handle it. What does that even mean? If you have this ambiguous, free-floating fear, you can't really address it because you haven't been clear about what it is you're afraid of. So what would it look like if you couldn't handle it? Like, I want you to write this down and be really specific. If you're thinking, I can't handle it, write down the situations that you think you couldn't handle. Is it not being able to buy everything you want at the grocery store? Is it an even more dangerous version of the coronavirus? Is it an earthquake? Like just be very specific and be clear on what are the things that you're afraid of? And then what would it look like if you couldn't handle it? What is it that you're afraid that you'll do or you won't be able to do in that situation? And once you've done that, then let's start asking, what do you need to think and feel and do so that you know you can handle it? You can put your brain to work for you to figure this out, and we can build our emotional resilience so that we're ready 
even in any trauma or crisis. Our brain always wants something to do, and it will run off in fear or idleness or resentment or something else negative if you let it, or you can keep it busy solving problems for you, or you can ask it to come back to the present moment when everything is actually okay. So how are you with the ability to take charge of your thoughts and calm your mind? Do you have that awareness to observe your thoughts and see what's going on? If you often experience a perpetual free-floating state of anxiety or worry, that's where to start. If you often feel confused and you don't like to make decisions, that's where to start. If you often feel powerless or helpless, that's where to start. And you have so many resources to help you. Of course, I'm a fan of life coaching and there's all kinds of mental health resources. I would say learning more about mindfulness and meditation can really help you take charge of your mind too. I've recommended this before, but I have the Insight Timer app on my phone. It's free and the guided meditations on there are awesome. Great way to learn about meditation and mindfulness. So when we go back to that scripture, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So work on that part, a sound mind. What does that mean for you? What will that look like for you? So now let's talk about what power might mean in that scripture. So a sound mind will give us power. In addition to that, I want to add in spiritual power, spiritual confidence, And there are several things that I think can go into spiritual confidence, knowing that there's a purpose and meaning in all of what's going on and that God can turn everything that happens to our ultimate good. He doesn't necessarily create all the bad stuff. He may allow it, but whatever happens, he can help us use it for our growth and to help us become who he wants us to be. And my favorite thought this year is that God is offering me everything I need at any moment, and I just need to be aware of it. Personally, I find a lot of peace and spiritual confidence seeing that all of these upheavals are all in God's plan for us. They're actually an expression of his love for us, and he's just shaking up the dysfunctional ways the world has fallen into, and he's cleaning up all the corruption and the brokenness for us because he loves us and he's going to bring us into a more peaceful and joyful world that is all ahead of us. We just need to be able to get through this hard time that's leading up to it. So how is your spiritual confidence? How's your spiritual connection with God? Do you know how to hear impressions for him? If you want that to be stronger, that's where you start. And again, so many resources out there to help us come closer to God. Back to the scripture again, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Let's talk about love. In every situation that we face in life, we have the option of choosing one of two things, either fear or love. So the question for us going forward in whatever we face is, how can I choose love over fear? How can love win in every crisis? What would acting from love look like right now? And how do I want to show up in this world as it is? We don't have any control of these big events that are going in the world, but we have total control over how we show up. 
I just pulled out some notes from a book I read over a year ago. The book is called Choosing Clarity by Kimberly Giles or Giles. It's G-I-L-E-S. I'm not sure how she says it. And she lays out this really clearly, like this choice between fear and love in every situation. And she said to ask ourselves, what is this experience here to teach me? How can it help me learn to love at a deeper level? Because there are only two options, a fear perspective or a love perspective. And you can experience trust and love and fear at the same time. When you choose trust and love, all fear disappears. That just ties so perfectly in with that scripture. Have you memorized it yet? For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Another thing that Kim said in this book that I love so much, she said, love is a choice you must make about 500 times a day. So true. But the power is realizing that we have a choice and we can choose love. Now, what would that look like in a crisis? What would that look like in chaos? So my friends, I'm giving you some homework. So I want you to think back on those challenges that you have the most fear about. And I want you to start to visualize how you would get through it as a hero, not a victim. Every story has a hero, a villain, and a victim. I know none of you are villains, but you get to choose if you want to be the hero or the victim. And seeing it in our heads really is going to be the way that we plan and prepare for this. It's like our safety training so that we will know what to do in the moment. I know that this visualization and using your imagination to see yourself as a hero in these scary situations, it will be fuzzy and weak at first, but just keep at it. Let it become clearer and invite the one who's in charge of all of this, the one who put you here at this time knowing what it was going to be like, and the one who has plans for you. Invite him to help you see it. Ask him to help you see your role and why you're here at this time, because you've been preparing for this all your life in ways that you couldn't see at the time. So when we think about all the things we have on hand, stored in case of emergency, down on our shelves with our wheat and our water and our canned tomatoes and toilet paper, (laughs) do we have stores of power and love and a sound mind? especially love. I've been asking myself, do I have deep, limitless reservoirs of love to get me and everyone around me through any challenges that come up? All right, my friends, let's get those life jackets on and make sure they're zipped and buckled. And let's do that safety training where you are imagining yourself as the hero in all the adventures that are to come. It's great to be in this together with you. Be peaceful, be powerful, and love your radiant heart. If you want some help to build your emotional resilience and to feel more prepared and to be able to choose love over fear, I'm always happy to talk about what you want and how coaching can help you get it. You can email me at vana at midlifeconfidencecoach.com or on my website midlifeconfidencecoach.com or message me on social media. All of that is in the show notes. Take care until next time.